Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. I have two parts for you on today's show. In part one, I will preview our match on Sunday against Monza. And in part two, I will play another compilation for you of Napoli fans expressing what this Scudetto means to them. Alright, so let's get right into it. Monza come into this match sitting comfortably in the middle of the table. They're currently level with Fiorentina, Udinese, Bologna, and Torino, all on 46 points. That's 19 points clear of the relegation zone, which is a fantastic place to be for a newly promoted side. Much of the credit needs to go to Raffaele Palladino, who took over for Giovanni Stroppa very early in the season. After earning promotion to Serie A, Stroppa lost his first five matches in Monza's first ever season in the top flight. A 1-1 draw against Lecce on match day 6 was enough for Silvio Berlusconi and Adriano Galliani to sack Stroppa. His replacement was rather surprising though. Palladino had only ever coached Monza's Primavera and only for one season before he was promoted to the first team. Berlusconi did do the same thing though with one Arrigo Sacchi in 1987 by the way and that worked out quite well. Palladino won his first three matches in charge including a 1-0 victory over Juventus. Now despite the slow start it's not terribly surprising that Monza are going to stay up given who is running the club. Berlusconi and Galliani spent over 44 million euros in the summer, which is a huge amount for a newly promoted club. By contrast, that's 10 million euros more than Lecce spent and about 40 million euros more than Cremonese spent. And for Monza, 
that 44 million does not include the transfer fees for players who were loaned with obligations to buy, most of whom were conditional on Monza's survival. Some of those players have worked out quite well. Matteo Piscina, who was born in Monza, has made an excellent captain this season. He'll cost 12 million euros to redeem from Atalanta. Despite missing seven games due to that very scary stabbing incident, Pablo Mari has had a very good season as well. He'll cost only 4.9 million euros to redeem, which I think is a steal. Gianluca Caprari leads the team in goal scoring. He's only scored six goals, but Monza get production from a number of different players, which I'll come back to a little bit later. He'll cost 7.5 million euros to redeem from Hellas Verona. Even Andrea Pitania has quietly had a decent season. I'm sure they expected more from him, but he's currently on three goals and seven assists. The highlight of his season was probably the winner he scored against Udinese to complete the comeback in the Coppa Italia, but he's been especially useful as a hold-up player, which is perhaps not surprising given his size. Monza will have to pay us the 10 million euro transfer fee that was negotiated at the time, to me, that was one of Juntoli's master strokes. We all talk about the fantastic scouting, bringing in players like Osimen, Kim, and Kvarskhelia, but this deal is right up there for me. We loaned Petania to Monza for 2.5 million euros with an obligation to buy for 10 million. Then we loaned Giovanni Simeone from Hellas Verona for 3.5 million euros with an option to buy for 12 million. In other words, we only paid 3 million more for Simeone. And assuming we exercise the option to purchase him, which I think we will, that purchase price would be amortized over the term of the contract we signed with him, so we will not feel it at all. Simeone has scored 8 goals in all competitions, and almost every single goal he scored for us was an important one, and he's played less than half the number of minutes that Patania has played for Monza. The only player who Monza will have to purchase that hasn't really played an important role this season for them is Alessio Cranio, which is crazy because he's actually a fantastic goalkeeper. He just wasn't able to rip the starting role out of the gloves of Michele Di Gregorio. Di Gregorio has started in 33 of Monza's 34 matches in Serie A. He's conceded 44 goals, which is an average of 1.3 goals per match, which is not so bad for a mid-table club. He also has 9 clean sheets which is tied with Torino's Vanya Milinkovic-Savic for 6th most in the league. So as a result, Cranio has only made one league start, which didn't really help his cause. That was a 3-0 defeat to Salernitana on match day 24. Though in his defense, two of the three goals were from shots that were placed perfectly into the top corner. There's not much that any keeper could have done on those goals. He could have done better to push the ball away on the third goal, instead he pushed it straight to Antonio Candreva. And then Cranio started in all three of Monza's Coppa Italia matches. Though Monza reached the round of 16, Cranio conceded two goals in each of those matches. But again, most of those goals were not his fault. And he made some really nice saves in those matches as well. In any event, Cranio will cost Monza 3.6 million euros to redeem from Cagliari, which is also peanuts for such a high-quality goalkeeper. In addition to all of those obligations to buy... Monza are also going to be paying out about 6 million euros in bonuses to players and staff as a result of earning salvation. So before the 23-24 season even commences, they will be paying out about 44 million euros. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Paladino will line up in a 3-4-2-1 formation with Di Gregorio in goal. 
His preferred back three is Pablo Mari, Luca Caldirola, and Armando Izzo, but it appears that neither Mari nor Izzo will be available for this match. Mari was taken off in the sixth minute of the Torino match with an injury. Now, I haven't seen any official reports on the injury, but Transfermarkt is calling it a bruise. If they mean it's a bone bruise, then he will probably sit this match out. Meanwhile, Izzo, who is Napolitano and he has not been shy in his support of Napoli, particularly when Monza have earned positive results against Napoli's biggest rivals, was recently sentenced to five years in prison for his involvement in the Calcio Scomesse betting scandal. The conviction relates to a match he played for Avellino during the 2013-14 campaign, though that conviction did not stop Izzo from playing against Torino last round. As far as I'm aware though, he will not be available for this match, so if Mari and Izzo are out, then I think Marlon and Valentin Antov will complete the back three. Paladino rotated against Torino, but that was probably because they were on short rest after the midweek fixture, otherwise he hasn't changed his midfield for a whole lot. Typically, Nicolo Ravella and Matteo Pessina start in the center of the midfield with Carlos Augusto on the left and Patrick Churia on the right. However, because Andrea Colpani is out with a muscle problem, we will probably see Churia play in the front three and Samuele Birindelli on the right side of the midfield four, which is what Palladino did against Torino. Now, perhaps with Colpani out, Palladino will give Patania a start against his former club, but I am leaning towards Caprari and Churia to play behind Dani Motta. For Napoli, I think we'll see a healthy amount of rotation, but not too much, as we discussed with Rafa on the last episode. Of course, Spalletti will line up in a 4-3-3 with Alex Meret back in goal. Friday's training report said that Golini worked out presumably in the gym due to a strain of his right adductor. The second change I think we'll see is at center back. In fact, I think we'll see both center backs change. We saw Ostegaard and Kim against Fiorentina, so I am expecting Amir Rachmani and Juan Jesus to start against Monza. The fullbacks will not change. Di Lorenzo is the captain. He will start at right back. And Mario Rui is still doing therapy personally. I think he is done for the season. So Matthias Oliveira will start at left back. In the midfield, we should see Stanislav Lobotka return at Regista after Diego Demis started against Fiorentina. Likewise, Piotr Zielinski will probably come back into the starting 11 because I think Elif Elmas will have to start on the right wing. Matteo Politano appears to be fit again, but I think we'll see him come off the bench for the final 20 minutes or so to get a run in so that he is prepared to start for the Inter match. The one position I'm really struggling with the most is the third midfielder. I want to say that Andre Frank Zombo and Gisa will get a rest, but we don't really have a suitable replacement for him. I'd love to see Gianluca Gaetano play there, but I'm going to go with Tanguy and Domble to get the start since he also did not start against Fiorentina. And then up top, I already addressed the right wing. I think we'll see Hvicek Varskelia come back into the starting 11 to play on the left wing, and I think Victor Osimen will continue to chase that Capo Canoniere at striker. So those are our starting lineups. Next, let's get to our three keys to the match. My first key to the match is to be wary of Monza's many different goal scorers. That has been one of their greatest strengths this season, that they've gotten contributions from so many different players. 
They're not just in the middle of the table in terms of points, they are also there in terms of goals scored, yet, as I mentioned earlier, their top goal scorer has only 6 goals. In fact, they have 2 players on 6 goals, Caprari is one of them, and Carlos Augusto is the other, but 17 different players have scored at least 1 goal for Monza this season, 8 players have had at least 5 goal contributions, and 5 players have had at least 7 goal contributions. I already mentioned Caprari, Augusto, and Petania. The other two are Patrick Churia and Dani Mota. That means we will have to defend as a team. We cannot expect to keep Monza off the score sheet by simply shutting down their top goal scorers. And we have to be mindful of those wingbacks cutting in from the wings. Augusto and Churia have combined for 11 goals and 11 assists already this season. My second key to the match is to expect the unexpected. While Augusto and Churia are goal-scoring threats when they cut in, they are equally likely to push the ball towards the byline and play in a cross, which makes them extremely difficult to defend. That's where we'll need our wingers to get back and help defend. If Elmes starts on the right wing, then I'm confident that he will get back because the guy can run for days, he just does not seem to run out of energy. I'm a little bit more concerned about the left wing, as we saw against Lernitana, Kvaraschelia's defending is still a work in progress. If he doesn't track back or is a little too passive on that side, then Birindelli and Churia could cause some problems for us. Even though I have Juan Jesus in my starting 11, that could actually be a good reason to start Kim Min Jae, as he could better support Oliveira on that side of the park. Mons are also predictable in the center of the midfield. They play with a lot of fluidity, particularly with Piscina getting forward to join the attack and Caprari dropping into the midfield. That movement allows Monza to break the lines and to create space, so our midfield trio will have to be mindful of that. Like with Kim, this could be a reason to start Ngisa over Ndombele. As Rafael Leao confirmed for us, Ndombele isn't exactly the quickest player on the team, and Ngisa is far more aggressive in his press, and that may be required to break up Monza's fluidity in the midfield. My final key to the match is to move the ball quickly and to make use of the long ball. The reason for that is because Monza like to take away their opponent's freedom by keeping possession of the ball and by pressing as a collective. Possession doesn't concern me too much, with all due respect to Monza, no team in the league is better at keeping the ball than Napoli are, but what we do have to be more concerned about is that press because it's something we've struggled a little bit with of late. So we need to move the ball quickly to break through that press. Now, we'll see if we can lure Monza's front seven out of the Monza half, because if we do, if we trap them into pressing into the Napoli half, then that should create space in behind for Osimen to run onto. At the same time, we can't rely solely on the long ball either. Sometimes it seems like our plan of attack is just to hoof the ball forward and hope that Osimen makes magic. But when you do that over and over again, it gets a little bit predictable, and Serie A coaches have adjusted to that. If they leave two players back there, then more often than not, they will be able to stop Victor when he's playing 1v2. For that reason, when we play the long ball, we need to also provide support. Cavada and Elmas need to be close behind him, so when Victor gets the ball and holds it up, he has options other than a low probability effort from distance or from a tight angle. Even though we lead the league in goals by a fairly wide margin, 
Goal scoring has been a bit of a challenge for us lately. We haven't scored more than one goal in seven consecutive matches in all competitions. Though he won the penalty kick that led to the winner against Fiorentina, Quaresgelia hasn't scored since the last international break, which was nearly two months ago. So more than anything, I would love to see us return to our goal scoring form, especially with Lautaro Martinez staying close by in the race for Capocannoniere. For my prediction, I am going to go with a 2-1 Napoli victory, which means I am predicting Napoli to finally break out of this goal-scoring funk. I will give the goals to Viktor Osimhen and Piotr Zielinski, who also hasn't scored a goal in a good while. Other than the goal that he scored against Frankfurt in mid-March in the Champions League, Zielinski's last league goal was all the way back in November against Udinese. For Monza, I will give the goal to Patrick Churia for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Now, once again, this is a match where neither side has a whole lot left to play for. As many coaches do before they play Napoli, Palladino said that this match is a good exam for his squad. He called it a final exam since we are so late in the season. Monza have certainly done well in their previous exams this season. They did the double over Juventus. Inter and Fiorentina have only managed one point each against Monza through two rounds, and they took points away from Roma as well. They're also in fine form heading into this match. They're unbeaten in their last six. That included wins against Inter and Fiorentina and a draw against Roma. Monza will probably be energized by their most recent draw, which was against Torino. They were losing for most of the second half, but Caprari scored in the 86th minute to equalize. And to make matters worse, we still don't know yet whether Napoli fans from Campania will be permitted to attend this match. This story is really ridiculous. On Friday, only 48 hours before the match, we learned about this travel ban. Since the clashes on the A1, any time Napoli and Roma fans are both heading north, it seems like Napoli fans are banned, which doesn't seem right to me. Like, why are the Roma supporters not banned as well? This round, Udinese are traveling to Bologna as well, so there's concerns around that too after the incidents at the Dacia Arena after Napoli fans swarmed the pitch. But what's crazy about this whole thing is that the announcement was made so late after people had already spent money to book their travel and accommodations. Apparently the decision has been appealed, but as of the time of this recording, which is less than 24 hours before the match now, there has still been no official response to the appeal. Going back to the motivations, I think Napoli will be motivated to collect as many points as possible. As I've previously stated, I think the target is Sadi's 91 points. We currently have 83 points with 4 matches remaining, which leaves a maximum of 95 points. That means we can even afford to lose one of our 4 remaining matches and still surpass Sadi's total. After Monza, we play against Inter, Bologna, and Sampdoria. Inter will obviously be the most difficult. They're in the midst of a grueling battle for Champions League qualification. That said, they're also still competing in three different competitions. And as Rafa said last episode, they're the only team we have yet to beat this season. Bologna is a tough team as well. So though we don't have any true must-win games because we're already champions... The Monza and Sampdoria matches are must-wins if we want to crack 90 points. Okay, that will do for part one. In part two, we'll hear from more Napoli fans 
about what this scudetto means to them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to part two of the Fortunapoli podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Fortunapoli pod. It's entirely voluntary. There are no set tiers, but it does help us to continue to produce content both on the podcast and on our website at fortsinapolipress.com. Okay, so I mentioned last time that if we got enough testimonials, I would put together another compilation, and fortunately we did. I'll start with one that I received by text from Ron in Israel, who has been on the pod before, so let me read his out for you. Ron says, In the 10th grade, we were asked in a school activity, What your dream is? I was the first to answer, and I said unequivocally, Napoli's championship. The next in line said to work at a job I like, the next one after him to succeed in life, and so on. Everyone continued to tell dreams in the same style. During the round, I was embarrassed. I thought to myself that maybe my dream was shallow. What, is this the biggest ambition of my life, a championship for Naples? I came to the conclusion that this is not my ambition, but it is my dream. In order to fulfill an ambition, you have to get up every morning and do everything possible to reach the goal that you set for yourself. A dream is very different from an ambition. A dream is what you think about at night while you have no real control over your mind. The dream is what you want to happen but can't do anything to make it happen. Just pray. When Napoli won the Scudetto, my dream came true. That was really well put from Ron. I don't know any Napoli fans who would disagree. This was definitely a dream come true for all of us. Okay, so let's hear from a few more Napoli fans, starting with Antonio from Toronto. Siamo noi, siamo noi, i campioni dell'Italia siamo noi. Congratulations to us. We did it, we finally did it. And I'm glad that we can celebrate this together. Been a long time Napoli fan since I was a kid, wondering when in my adult life I was going to see them win a cup again. After years, 10 plus, of watching Serie A because of Napoli coming back into it, very aggravated by the results where they could have won another two, three, four Scudetti. Bittersweet for the likes of Insigne, Mertens, Koulibaly, Jorginho. There's quite a bit out there. But let's not worry about that. Let's worry about the future now. We need to win four, five, six, seven, eight cups for the next years to come. I've known since the beginning that De Laurentiis has had a new way of looking at calcio or football and that he was gonna progress he was gonna do it 
I had faith in him. I knew he was gonna get this team winning again. I saw it in in the way he introduced the team, introduced new players, in the way he focused on international advertising. Like De Laurenti said, we need to make our team stronger. We need to make our fan base stronger. We need to upgrade our midfield, our attack, our goalies. We need to provide substitutions. We need to go and win a Champions League now or be the big club that we are and have other clubs challenge us for the Scudetto. And uh, we're going to be the new Serie A team of the future. But I'm so happy that Napoli have won. It doesn't stop here. Let's keep going. Forza Napoli sempre. Hi, Napolitans around the world. My name is Yukunshui Victor. I am the admin of Napoli Club Nigeria. I enjoyed the beautiful football being played by this great club. It is a great honor to witness the top Scudetto after 33 years of waiting. I'm so happy and it is a great, it's an evergreen moment of joy to me. Hi, my name is Jani and I'm from Montreal, Canada. My love for Napoli is more of a recent thing. I kind of like part of the new gen of fans that started in the mid 2000s. Reason being is because my mother's side uh, comes from near the city and my no-no, somebody who really got me into soccer as a kid and somebody I'm really attached to, got me introduced to them because he's been a fan since, obviously, since he was a boy. And, you know, when they came back, it was a perfect thing because YouTube was starting out and they have City Abyss to put up highlights. So I used to show them to my no-no and I saw the pride that he had in his eyes and the happiness. And then when they came back up to City A, I used to watch the games on Sundays with him. And, you know, like, Napoli's not my original team, but just their underdog spirit and the way they fought with tooth and nail to get where they were and where they are you know it grew on me and i developed such a passion and love for them because i shared it with my nonno watching the games with them and stuff and i still do every once in a while but what it means to me to see this napoli championship is that it's years and years and years of hard work that have finally paid off and that have finally come to fruition you know like you know, a lot of people used to make jokes about De Laurentiis and how he was organizing the team and what he planned for the team and what he expected from them. And especially during the era of the past decade where, you know, always coming second fiddle or, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. You know, always coming so close but losing to a rival team. It, it hurt. It's so, so rewarding to see them finally get the league title that they've that they've been chasing for so long. And it's really just a culmination of a lot of years of hard work. It wasn't, this wasn't an overnight championship. You saw that this was gonna happen eventually. And this was a plan that Laurentiis started like 15, 20 years ago when he, 50, more 15 years ago when he bought the team. It's so great to see that happen. And it makes it so much sweeter and it's satisfaction. That's, I think that's the best word for it. And it's something now that like, I don't think it hit yet, but I think one, the moment they lift the Scudetto itself, I think that's when it's going to be, wow. I think that's when the emotions are going to flow in. Hey, Joe, it's Vinny coming to you from Napoli now. I live in Chicago, USA. I came out for the Fiorentina game, which was a great decision, one of the best experiences of my life. I finally got my voice back today. But what this Scudetto means to me is that the work Napoli have put in for the past 10, 15 years, being second, third, 
finally they've put some respect on the team's name on the city's name that they're not just the team of maradona that they're one of the best teams in europe right now and clearly the best team in italy hi joe to you and hello to all uh, all of your listeners this is Michi from poland i've been supporting napoli since the 11 12 season when i met one of the dearest friends of mine who is a juventino and i decided to support napoli as opposite so i am a self-designated tifoso it was also the season when we were playing chelsea in the champions league first game was brilliant so it did make it easier to me what this scudetto means probably is not as much as for real napoletani as i have no geographical or blood connection to the city or even the country but it sure means a lot grown to love the city and consider napoli as one of the most important parts of my life I've honestly never believed I would live to see Napoli winning a Scudetto. With all the great players in the past decade, with achievements, you know, such as the one in 2018, with strikers like Cavani, Guain, Mertens, with midfielders like Ruiz, Jorginho, Hamšík, Zielinski, defenders like Koulibaly or Gulam in his prime, we were not able to achieve it. So now here it is, which is brilliant. Uh, I did shed a tear after Inter beat Lazio and I am, of course, extremely happy. I'm still wondering, though, what's now and what's next. I hope chasing the rabbit doesn't turn out to have been the real deal. Um, so, salute to everyone and uh, Forza Napoli sempre. Hi, my name is Stephen Kashevich. I'm originally from Glasgow in Scotland, but now living in California. I've been watching, following Italian football for many years, been very fortunate to write about it for the last few years and to talk about it a little bit. And it seems, still seems quite surreal to say Napoli, champions of Italy. It's only taken 33 years for them to win the Scudetto again from the days of Maradona, for me and for millions of people, the greatest player of all time. We can't also forget the likes of Alemão and Careca, Ferrara, Di Napoli, many great players on that team. But for a new generation of fans, they've now got their own heroes Ozemen, Faratskelia, Kim Min-jae. For me, the biggest thing about the title success has been the way that Napoli achieved it, from the construction of the squads to the way that the team has played. And as was quoted and repeated many times, Luciano Spalletti talked about space, about the areas to manipulate and to exploit. And I think that's been one of the most exciting, exhilarating things of this the season to watch Kvaratskhelia whenever he gets the ball just that rise of uh, sheer excitement and joy when he's about to take on a player Ozymane's incredible goals especially against Roma home and away who can forget the 5-1 Juventus game there's been so many individual moments of brilliance games and goals and it's really connected people and it's brought together so many people love football, enjoy football and in my opinion football should be enjoyed and especially for Napoli fans who've had yeah, pretty miserable time for many years from bankruptcy and all the way down to Serie C2. De Laurentiis came in, rescued the club. I know he's not necessarily the most popular figure with fans but their journey to winning the title has been incredible. There are many times when I'm sure people thought it wouldn't happen and there's been lots of moments of heartbreak and misery, especially under Maurizio Sarri, when 
Napoli were so close and weren't able to do it. And if we think of all the great players that have played a part in this rise to the top of Syria, we have to mention, I think, the likes of Hamsik, Mertens, Koulibaly, even if we go back a little bit further, maybe Paolo Cannavaro, and of course Lorenzo Insigne. There's been many great players that have played their part and just come short. However, sometimes the kind of strict definition of success and failure, and this is something that the NBA great Janice Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks said, that we shouldn't necessarily always be defined just by success and failure. Maybe it's not that straightforward. So all those players have played their part in Napoli's rise and their ascent to now becoming champions of Italy. And really an amazing achievement. And they played with such style and panache. And really they've brought a whole generation of new fans to the club. I think it's noticeable that there's now fan clubs in all different parts of the world, from the established ones in Canada and America and all over Europe to different places that we maybe didn't expect. And I think that that can only be a positive thing for Syria in general. Sometimes the only news that we hear about Syria kind of on a bigger scale is all about controversy and various scandals. Napoli have been an amazing success story and something that people should be happy about. I mean, I know that it's very difficult in the divisive world of Syria, especially with the big clubs that, you know, Inter, Juventus, Milan will not necessarily be happy about this. But I think to see the sheer joy and ecstasy of the celebrations has been wonderful. And hopefully this is the start of something really big. And this is not a one-off. And the President de Laurentiis has already said that he hopes to keep Osman and Claret Scalia and hopefully Kim Min-Jae, who I think has been absolutely superb and defence will stay as well. And yeah, it's just been wonderful to watch if you're a neutral or if you're a Napoli fan and it's just been great. All right, so that is where we will leave it. Thank you everyone who sent in their voice notes. I know they have been very well received by the listeners, so thank you so much for that. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating and or a review on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, and you can find the podcast on all the usual social media platforms at Pod. I will be back next week to review the Monza match and to preview our next one, which will be a juicy one against Inter, but until then... I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli sempre! Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.